Went too fast there. Let me back up. There we go. Good morning. Glad that all of you are here uh, with all of our proper social distancing and our masks and, and all of that stuff. And uh, welcome to all of you that join us online as well. We're really glad that you're uh, with us today, uh, wherever you're at in your home, uh, whether you're maybe you're doing worship in pajamas. That's that's pretty cool, too. But glad that you're with us. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called Doing Church, the Body of Christ on Earth. Uh, and we want to kind of continue with that. And, and this is a rare and special Sunday for me because I get to preach about one of my pet peeves. You ever heard preachers that preach about their pet peeves? Well, well, here's mine. It, it has to do with what people call me. And, and I mean to my face, not behind my back. But what people call me to my face kind of a thing. You, you guys call me all kinds of things. Some of you call me pastor. Uh, some of you call me Craig. Some of you call me Pastor Craig because that's, you know, the whole package there. Uh, even once in a while, I'll run into an older adult that'll call me Reverend Laughlin. And it makes me feel really old because when I was growing up, the, the pastor that was really formational for me was a guy by the name of Reverend Castle, you know. And to this day, I can't call him Pastor or Don, which is his first name. I have to call him Reverend Castle because it just feels disrespectful, any of that. But the one thing that people sometimes call me that I really don't like to be called, uh, and that is the minister. And, and the reason for that is that it's wrong. I am not the minister. Now, I am a minister in the sense that I am called to do ministry. I, I, I get that. But, but here's what I know is true. Uh, my next slide. Um, the pastor is not the minister. We are all ministers. Amen? The pastor is not the minister. We are all, all of you are our ministers. You this, but all of you have a call to the ministry. And sometimes it doesn't look like mine, where I'm in full-time ministry, but, but all of you have a call. And, and it, it, there's sometimes this language out there that just sounds like ordained people are the minister, or we're the ones that do <coughs> ministry, and everyone else is spectating. That, that is not the way God thought about his church. That's not the way Jesus thought about it. Jesus never intended that there would be two classes of calling into ministry. There was always just one. All of the disciples were just normal people, fishermen and tax collectors and, and folks doing regular jobs out there. There wasn't uh, a priest uh, amongst them. Um, and so uh, this idea that somehow there is the minister and then there is everybody else is just, just not the way the Bible intended it. In fact, um, next slide. Uh, every single, whoops, I think I went twice there. Every single follower of Jesus has a sacred calling to ministry. Every one of you, every one of you have a sacred calling uh, to ministry. There are, are no, no exceptions to it. Uh, so so um, say uh, I have a sacred calling. Yeah, uh, God has a ministry for you uh, and for me and for all of us. And in fact, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, explains it pretty well. Uh, it says, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 uh, captures it and um, my thing is not working, so next thing. Uh, Jesus gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Okay, he's in the middle of a sentence, but I'm going to stop right there. 
Um, and so th that group right there is generally the group, that, the kind of gifts you have to have to be in the ordained ministry. Uh, I, I'm involved with helping the next generation of pastors, and, and so we, when they're licensed, we quiz them and talk to them. And one of the things we evaluate on them is do they have the proper gifts and graces for ministry? And they need to fall in this group that you're kind of seeing right up there in order to, to be in the ministry. Not everybody has all of those, uh, but everybody should have, have some of those. That's, that's the ordained category. And not everybody who has this ministry, the, these gifts are, are in ministry. But these gifts have a specific use, which explains why you have a calling. Uh, next slide. Uh, uh, to equip God's people for the work uh, of ministry. So the idea here is that the people with that set of gifts, people like me, are supposed to equip you for ministry. So the truth of the matter is, probably, you are the ministers and I am the teacher. So I'm not the minister in one sense at all, although everyone in Christ's kingdom has to do ministry in some way or another. You are the ministers, I, I, I'm the teacher. And every time I say that, I can't help but think about my dad, who used to love to say, those that can do, those that don't teach. Right? And so I was like, oh, I'm in that category. I hope that's not true. I hope good teachers are ones that actually get out there and do church together. So uh, let's talk for a minute about ministry. Next slide. The Bible word for ministry is diakonia. Say diakonia. Yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, when, when, uh, when Paul wrote this, or when the writer to the Ephesus wrote this, um, he, he could have chosen words that were priestly words, that were clergy kind of words, but he didn't. He didn't use any of those words. In fact, the, the word diakonia is a non-religious word. It actually just means servant. And any common household servant was a diakonia, a servant. And, and Jesus used the same word to describe himself when he said, I did not come to be served but to diakonia, but, but to, to serve. Uh, and so, um, next slide. Ministry is the work of serving others. And any time you serve others, you are doing ministry. Isn't that cool? I mean, when I got onto this, I thought, this is, it doesn't have to be some big fancy thing. You don't, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to learn Greek. You don't have to, you know, um, wear your collar backward or anything like that. Uh, every time you do ministry, every time you serve others, you are doing ministry, diakonia, um, in, in all of that. And so there's a very powerful sense in which the, the passage says, go and serve. Just, just go and serve. When, whenever you help the little old lady across the street, diakonia. When you help somebody in the grocery store, diakonia. When you cut your neighbor's lawn, diakonia. You are, you are serving. You are doing ministry everywhere you go. So let me kind of wrap that up with this. Next slide. Uh, followers of Jesus don't volunteer. They do ministry. Followers of Jesus don't volunteer. They do ministry. Because volunteering kind of sounds like you're doing God a favor. Okay, God, I'll chip in. You seem to be behind on your work this month, so let me help you out a little bit here, right? You know? This is what it sounds like. Volunteering, in fact, is a word that's about money and whether or not you get paid or not. And that's not what ministry is about. The vast majority of ministry is unpaid ministry because it's all that you guys do. You guys put more hours into ministry than, than the paid staff does by a ton because I know about some of the stuff you guys are doing. There are certain people, the ordained ministry, that God has laid his hand on us and the church has affirmed us. 
And they have set us aside so that we don't have to make a living in order that we could give full time to ministry. And that is a huge sacred trust and honor for all of us that make our living that way. And we are greatly aware of that. But that's the exception. Most ministry, and honestly, most ministers are, are people that don't make it that way. And, and so we, we don't want to be focused on whether or not we get paid. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you doing diakonia? Are you, are you serving? Um, and so, in fact, for me personally, I'll just tell you one of the things with staff and, and my own personal journey. I, I decided a long time ago I would never hire a staff person if they weren't doing ministry for free before they got into being paid. Because if they won't do it for free, then they've, they've missed what diakonia is about and what, what most people uh, in the church, how, how they live. So let me ask you this question. Next slide. What is your diakonia? And this, this isn't a general question. This is an individual question. Each one of you. What is your diakonia? What is your ministry? What is the thing God has given you to do? Where are the places where you get to do diakonia? There's all kinds of important stuff like that, and I really want you to grapple with this because this, this is super uh, important. Uh, so let's, let's kind of examine what ministry looks like uh, in, in the Bible. Next slide. Romans 12, uh, 3 through 8 is where you'd, I'd like you to turn if you have your Bibles with you, or it'll appear here. Or if you have the app, uh, you can go on there and you can see the, uh, the, the sermon notes where you can fill in the blank and you can also, um, you can also see the, the passage of Scripture here. So let's, uh, let's uh, look at, at this passage together. Uh, verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. So I say to everybody here. Is everybody paying attention? Okay. Uh, next slide. Uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, when we read this, we tend to think in terms of self-esteem and self-image kinds of issues. But in the first century, they didn't think like that at all. That just wasn't the way they thought about it. They lived in a, a highly hierarchical world with uh, a few people at the top. It was a very kind of pyramid. And most people at the bottom, okay? And, and what he's saying in this is think of yourself in the, in the proper sort of, of place. Uh, don't think, in fact, if I could kind of paraphrase it, it would be this. Don't think you're too important to serve, Right? Because they lived in a world where there were servants to do all the bad tasks. Everything that was stinky and smelly and wasn't fun or was hard work, work, work physically. And so he's speaking to the church at Rome. And, uh, and the Romans thought of themselves on the top of society. And Roman citizenship was a really big deal. And so he's saying, just because you're a big shot, just because you have an important job and you have lots of money and you have lots of servants, don't think that you're too good to diakonia. To, to do ministry. We're all called. And so the message here is every one of us is called to do ministry. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so the interesting thing is you don't get to compare yourself uh, hierarchical, but the way you measure yourself is by faith. How, how much faith do you have to do diakonia? Because it has been my experience that doing ministry requires faith. That God almost always asks us to take a step of faith in order to do that ministry. And so Paul is saying, it's not about your social status. It's about how much faith. And faith is about trusting God. And so Paul says, how much do you trust God? When he says, go and do this ministry, and you're going, whoa, 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 Lord, that's way too big for me. Do you trust him? Do you take the step? Do you do what he asks you to do? That's what he's talking about. 
And then verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So every part of the body is necessary. Amen? You understand that. I mean, we have to have, we have, to have both our hands. If you don't have both your hands, it's very hard to eat without, you know, kind of just slopping your face in the bowl kind of a thing. It's necessary. If you don't have feet, you, you still can't eat because you can't get to the food. If you don't have hearts and lungs and livers and all that, you don't, you don't work. I mean, we're, we're, there's one body and we're all a, a part of it. And none of us want to give up any parts of the body. And in fact, if one part of the body isn't working, we think of the whole body as having a problem. Amen? And so, as, as, for as is one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So all of you have different ministries. Some of you are really good at ministries I'm really bad at, right? And maybe I'm better at some stuff than, than some others, and, and you're different from the person next to you, but we all have a ministry. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is really, really important, this one here. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So here's what this one is saying. Your ministry doesn't belong to you. Your ministry belongs to the church. We live in such an individualistic society, we tend to think of ministry as mine. This is my ministry. That's not what scripture says. And individually, members of one another. Your gifts belong to the body of Christ. The sacred trust that I have, because I've been relieved of caring for my family, is still a sacred trust to use my gifts for the kingdom of God. And that applies to all of us. You don't get to just withhold your gifts, your ministry. It belongs to, to everyone. We are one body. Amen? And whether it's this church or other churches, we're all on the same team. Every church that preaches Christ, we are one body and our gifts are, are, are for that. And verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And you know what the interesting part in this passage is? The words for gift and the word for grace come from the same root. And so it's a gracious gift. And you know, the idea of grace is unmerited favor, a gracious gift in all of that. So this is almost redundant in all of this. That, that, that the gifts that you have, you do not have because you deserve them. This is why it's always funny to people when they have gifts and they can't recognize them because of their low esteem. I want to say, in some ways that's exactly right. Our esteem doesn't matter. What matters is that God has given us the grace, amen? We should all, in some one sense, have low esteem because, you know, we're all sinners, but we should all have great esteem because God has given us a great gift. I was going to say, is I'm the only one that, that thinks that's a pretty good deal that we're getting here, you know? It, it's, a, it's a great, they all, they all gift. And so then it goes on in now to, into a list of them. If prophesy, I do so in proportion of our, our faith. Uh, and so this is, this is kind of the leadership gift. Uh, preaching is a form of, of proclamation, uh, of prophecy. It is proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming the preferred, God's preferred future. Say, God's preferred future. Yeah, what God wants to have happen in your life and in lives. And so uh, that, that's, that's the exercise of grace in proportion to your faith. If you're going to lead, you're going to have to have faith because you're going to have to trust God. Trust me, you're going to have to trust God, okay? And then the next one, if service in our serving. 
the one who teaches in their teaching. And service is the, the gift uh, that, that is that this person that just seems to be able to help everybody with everything. You know, met that person that can fix anything and do things and kind of all of those sorts of things. That Some of you have that gift. I so love that gift. Okay, uh, And teaching, interesting the word uh, teaching here, doesn't mean what we think of like rows like this. Like I'm teaching now. I'm talking and you're listening unless I make you talk. But, but you're, for the most part, it's a one-way conversation. Actually, the word teaching here is kind of like Jesus did with the disciples. It, it carries the idea of, of, of going along, coming alongside. The word means to call alongside and, and traveling together and doing life together. And, and so it's really more of what we would call discipleship. Uh, of growing someone up in the Lord by, by living with them and loving them over time and being with them. We so have reduced discipleship when we reduce it to filling in uh, a book and reading a book and getting all the answers right and knowing more stuff. That's a part of it. But discipleship is really about pouring life into to someone else. And we're going to talk more about discipleship uh, in some of the later sermons. And so um, the Great Commission uh, tells us to go, but it also tells us Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the growing them up in the Lord. That's the, the teaching part of it. Verse 8. The one who exhorts in their exhortation and the one who contributes in generosity. Exhortation is, is the gift of encouragement. How many of you have met that person that has the gift of encouragement? That is, those people are the most popular, popular people in the church. Because it's always like, you just want to hang out with them. You just feel better. And contribute, that's, that's giving our resources to, 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 the, uh, to one another. Contribute with generosity. We're called to be a generous people. And then, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And the zeal there, the, uh, the one who leads, is the idea for organizational leadership, is, is that. Uh, it means to be set over people. But unlike the modern word for leadership, this is one of my little pet peeves about leadership coming out of the corporate world, leadership in the corporate world is all about getting a group of people to a goal, which usually means better earnings for shareholders. But, but this one carries the idea of leading and protecting those under your care. That's built into this world, this word. So can I just give you a piece of advice? I would not follow someone that didn't care about the people following them. They didn't want to protect them. They didn't care about how they were doing. It's the idea of a guardian. Do it with zeal and, and haste and, and diligence are all tied up in this word. Leading towards a goal, but, but caring for the flock that is with you. Uh, and, and then the acts of mercy is uh, the idea of when we, what we do for others, the least, the last, and the lost. Compassionate ministries. We're all to be involved in mercy in some way. But some of you uniquely have that gift. Some of you here today uniquely have that gift. And there, there are lots of you that, that have all kinds of different gifts. This is just a small list. There's lots of places in Scripture where the gifts are, are mentioned. Uh, and I think they have different ones. I think it mostly means that even the Bible probably doesn't have the whole list of them. But there's some diakonia for you that you, you have. And here's what I know about your diakonia. Your ministry is way more important than you think. Way more important than you think. Number one, it's important to your spiritual health. Your ministry is how you become healthy spiritually. You can't just take in and take in and take in. At some point, you have to give out. And this really cool thing about God's economy, the more you give out, the more he pours in. And to be healthy, we have to diakonia. We have to do ministry in some sort of way. Now, don't get me wrong. I have met people who, who 
struggled, often if they struggle with addiction, who kind of took one addiction and then used ministry as an addiction, right? And then they burn out and they don't take care of their family and all of those sorts of things. But diakonia is important to your spiritual health. Not only that, it's important to the health of your church because this is your local body. We need you. In order for us to do what God wants us to do, we need you to get on your diakonia, to, to do the work that God has called you to do, whether you're here or whether you're at home. You have a, a ministry, and the church needs you to do that. Your calling um, has an important place in the body of Christ. And then your church and your community need you to deploy your ministry. There is someone, either in our church or in our community that desperately needs you to deploy the gift of grace God has given to you and to do ministry. It may not be me. It may not be anybody in this room. But there is someone somewhere. I think about that. That's easiest to see with, with the gifts of mercy, our compassionate ministries that, that feeds people, that, that gets involved in a, a ministry to help people get showers. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit when I kind of give you a list. And, but, but, but it matters in all those other ministries, music ministries in that category. Didn't we have great worship this morning? It just, I loved it, you know? And I sat back there and I thought, I can't do that. <laughs> it's just not in my mix. You know, when I, I sing, people don't feel blessed. They maybe feel cursed a little. I don't know. But, but I'm thankful that people have that. I, I needed that this morning. I needed that. And, and somebody needs your gift a, 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 as well. They need you to deploy your gift. Uh, and then the church is supposed to be a redemptive force in the world. When you exercise your diakonia, you help to redeem the world. You know, when, when we talk about salvation, the word doesn't just mean fire insurance, just not going to hell. It means that salvation goes on and that we are involved in helping the world become more like God intended it to be. Now, it won't 100% be there till he comes back, but we're to work that. We're to, to make it a, a better place. I've said this so many times. Wherever Jesus went, people's lives got better. And it should be that way for the church. Whenever people bump into people who are followers of Jesus, their life should get better. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe you actually do something for them. Maybe you guide them in a... I, I don't know. But, but we're called to redeem the fort, redeem the world. We're to be a redemptive force uh, in, in the world and in the, the community that we live in. And then... Jesus called his church to love people so much, we can't help but work to make their lives better. See, this is the key. I tell you all the time, everything Jesus did was done from love. If we have to work to make people's life better because God told us, like, oh, we got to go do this, that will wipe you out. I'm telling you, you will burn out. I've tried it. You will burn out on ministry. But if God causes you to fall in love with someone, you can't help but try and make their lives better. And every one of you who are parents know this. Every parent I know, unless there's something seriously wrong with them, wants to make their children's life better. Amen? We don't always get it right, but we, we try to. Sometimes it's by providing things for them. Sometimes it's by giving advice to them. And then when they get a little older, sometimes it's by not giving advice to them. My children would say amen right there, but they're not here. But we want it. And, and so when we fall in love, then diakonia gets much, much easier because we want to make lives better. Lord, give us great love. How do we express love? Diakonia, ministry. In fact, the best way to love people is with your ministry 
to people. That's how, you, how God gifted you to do that. And there are so many ways you can do that. There, there are ways in, inside the uh, church you can in do that. Yeah, helping us with cleaning up the building. Uh, um, it, helping with the greeter ministry or usher ministry or the tech booth. we got this whole thing going on with the tech booth with, uh, with our live stream. Where there's a whole new audio system, soundboard that's coming. And we're going to need more volunteers for that. We've got cameras coming. We're going to need more volunteers with uh, the, the tech part of the video back there. Ian's doing it every single Sunday. He can't even get a Sunday off. If you're involved in that, that's a great, that's a great diakonia. Uh, there are other places. Our latte stand, when that gets opened back up. Uh, the, the coffee, many of you have done that. Uh, teaching children, that's a great uh, diakonia. Or helping out with teens or being involved with, with them. Uh, um, all sorts of ways that, that we can do that. And then there's stuff outside the walls. Not all diakonia happens inside the walls. In fact, I would say the best diakonia happens outside the walls. Do you know that we have people in our church that go to one of our local schools and tutor? Yeah, and it all came out of a sermon series a while back. I'm thinking that's one of the best responses I've ever had to a sermon series, you know. And they, they do it in the, in the name of Christ. There, there's compassionate ministries that happens outside the walls. There's, there's all kinds of places where you can get in, involved with that. In fact, the YMCA, we're, we're partnering with them in, a, in a, a new program so that at the YMCA on Sundays, people can come and get a shower. Do you know that there are tons of people in our community that don't have any place to get clean? It's one of the real struggles with that. And the, and the YMCA, who's led by a wonderful Christian man, is partnering with the churches to help make that happen. That's diakonia. You can stand around and hold a towel, or I don't know what they're going to do down there. Ask Christina, she can tell you. Christina, wave your hand over there. That's our Compassionate Ministries Director. Do you want to guess what her gifts are in? So, um, there, there are all kinds of ways you can, you can get involved in the, in the community. In fact, one of the things the Lord was really pressing me about as I was coming out of my cancer was that this church needed to get ministry outside the walls. We needed to get out and be a difference, to make a difference in, in our community. And then COVID hit, and I took that as a, okay, stop for now. But get ready, because when COVID's over, we're going to get outside these walls. And I want to encourage you to do it. So here's my challenge to you. I challenge you to spend one hour this week doing ministry. Maybe you mow the neighbor's yard. Maybe you help out the older lady down the street. I, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe you help fix somebody's car that can't help. Maybe you volunteer uh, someplace. Get involved, but somewhere, someplace, spend one hour. That's the challenge. I mean, goodness sake, in the, in the grand scheme of things... One hour is not very much. I mean, you take a, a couple, three 20-minute naps every week, and you got an hour right there, you know. Am I asking you to give up your naps? No, that would be too big an ask. But cut out someplace else and, and, and give an hour. Because Scripture says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Be salt, be light. That's what diakonia is. And if they ask, it's really easy. You can just say, this done in the name of Christ. Or because God loves you. If they say, why did you do this? Because God loves you. And one of the most powerful things you can do is serve a stranger in a way that they go like, wow. And when they say, why would you do that? Or they try to give you a tip, you refuse the tip and you say, this done in the name of Christ and you walk away. You want to talk about planting a seed? That really plants a seed. Because the reputation of Christians is that we don't really care about people. And we want to argue about politics or theology or something else. You just go out and love people with diakonia. It blows up their whole perception of what Christ followers are like. So, I believe the church is the hope of the world, which means we are the hope of the world.
Christ is the hope of the world. We are the body of Christ, so we are the hope of the world. Let me try that again. We are the hope of the world. Yes, that Christ has a plan. If our musicians would come, we're going to sing in just a minute. And now more than ever, God needs the church to do church. In a time when there's so much brokenness and so much pain, in these times of crisis and fear, God is calling his people higher and deeper, higher into service and deeper into our commitment to Christ. And the question becomes for the church, will you take up the challenge? Will you give up volunteering and become a minister of the gospel? Will you embrace what he has for us? Because Jesus said, they will know they are mine. They will know we are Christians by our love. And that's what ministry is all about. About loving people the way God has wired you up to do it and with the gifts he's given. If you have questions about any of these things, any of these ministries, you need help figuring that out, call me up. Send me an email. There are very few things I love as much as someone that comes to me and says, i got to get involved in ministry. Help me find it. I mean, that just like makes my whole week when that happens. So let's engage the ministry. Let's be the ministers God's called us to do. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, um, I, I just know that for many, this is the thing they're longing for in their spiritual life. Maybe it's been dry or they feel like they haven't been growing. And it just, and what you're really doing is you're calling them into ministry. You're calling them into diakonia, into servanthood, Father. And so I, I pray this week, Father, that you would just, by your spirit, speak to every person and show them where they can serve, Father. Show them where you've, you're calling them, Lord. If they can't figure it out, that you would put someone in their life to help them figure out, Father. And that you would gauge, engage us in the work of ministry. To your glory, Father, and to the advancement of, of your kingdom, Lord. We just ask that you would indeed call us higher, Father, and drive us deeper in our commitment. That we might truly be the body of Christ on earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.